0: Hello, I'm Jennifer Bean and I'm here today with Ellen Winkler. I'm gonna say right up front that um, this is the first time I've met Ellen, but Erin came back to the office after having coffee with you and she said, you've gotta meet this lady. She is so big and so bold (laughs) and so dynamic and so I've been looking forward to this. And I was wondering if you could just give us all the colorful story that landed you in this chair beside me here today.
1: Oh, God. Okay. So start that, at the beginning. We want to hear it all. Start at the it beginning. Mm-hmm. It's actually funny because I'm actually an Italian kid from New York who grew up in a super conservative Italian family. My grandparents were all born overseas and came to the US. I had a grandfather who drove an oil truck, another one who started a landscaping business. So I think it starts way back there because I'm the black sheep of my family. I moved, I left. Um, I got it. But it started where. When I went to college, I didn't have a lot of choices of where I could go back then because yeah. you were an Italian kid and you were expected to go to school close by. And I'm supposed to live across the street from mom and dad. Right. And so I still own <laughs> the lot across the street, but I never moved back. They're so, holding it for you. And I didn't know even what to look to, for to go to college. Right. Yeah. My dad was an engineer. My brothers were engineers. I was going to be an engineer and that's all I knew. So off I went to Villanova and became a civil engineer. I love it. Um,
0: and that's not at all where you've landed, now Well,
1: <laughs> it has helped me pr- sure. profoundly with my career, but sure. little did I know, I thought I was going to work for my family. My dad owns a contracting business, and after college, I went and worked for them for about two, three years, and it wasn't me. And yeah. I just always wanted to get out of the East Coast. And it's funny, but I met a boy in a bar. <laughs> Tell me that story. So... Um, I was really fortunate. I was a ski racer growing up. My family had been to Jackson Hole all the time because my parents didn't ski, but we had to travel in the winter. So we used to go to Jackson because it was more for my parents gotcha. and us little ski kids. Yeah. Um, needless to say, whenever I wasn't working as, in construction, I would go to Jackson. And one it night, it felt like
0: a second home. Kind it was of home. Thing? It was yeah. definitely
1: okay. where I belonged in life and where I ended up. Yeah. Um, so I moved. So I was out there um, on break and. Literally at 1 o'clock in the morning, I met a boy on the dance floor. <laughs> Needless I to say, this. 22 years later, three kids and a career. And how many moves across the country? Oh, God. Well, I, New York to Jackson to Denver to Salt Lake is kind of my path that I took. Gotcha. Um, and Jason and I have been business partners since the minute I moved to Jackson. So I never worked for, and I've, oh, we've always been business partners. And in fact, we shared an office the first 15 years of our careers together. Give me the high and low of working with your husband. I work with my best friend in the whole world. We have an amazing marriage. Um, I, we always have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. We kind of complete each other. Jason's a very forward thinking CEO, big personality in the room.
0: Yeah.
1: I know it doesn't seem like it, but I'm, extremely introverted okay no a lot of people are like oh I've never met you I tend to be home I read voraciously so we kind of finish each other yeah so there's so many wonderful things but it's also really hard because when you're trying to build a career we rolled the dice together right I didn't have an income right when he was when we started to try on this whirly whirling dervish of development yeah so we didn't have that backup plan if sure. we went down, you went down together. We went down together, and it, we, we were going to burn it down. So that I think was one of the biggest, you know, things that we realized. And it's funny we we call ourselves developers now, but when we started together, we worked in action sports. My husband oh. was a pro skier. Okay, I was an ex ski racer. He had realized that you couldn't. There's only so long you could stay on, on the side of being a pro skier before you got hurt. <laughs> yeah, so he and we ended aged. up right yeah. beca- going into production. And doing television production in the ski industry. I moved to him. We started a television and event management company in action sports because we worked, you know, we knew all that world.
0: Was that in Jackson?
1: Yeah. And that's what we did. We worked with ESPN, we worked with Red Bull. I actually ran the first Red Bull national event ever. Oh my gosh. And I became an event planner, manager, and he did the television. And we, for again, completed each other. Yeah. And 10 years, we traveled around the world running amazing events, like crazy events at Snowbird, at Alaska, I ran all the snow thrills of Alaska, and because I had this construction background, I knew how to build, yeah. I knew how to permit things, and it just took off. And we, that, that's really where our whole company was started. Yeah, And then it's kind of a crazy story how we fell backwards into being developers because we lived in Jackson Hole, okay. we had 15 to 20 employees now, And we kept losing all our employees the minute they turned 30. Because you can't afford to live there. True. You can't have a house. True. I I can only visit there. Right. (laughs) I mean, I don't live there anymore either. (laughs) It's it's not even in my means to live there. But we kept losing talent. So um, it's also weird. But during this time, my second child, Jagger, came down with meningitis. Oh. And so kind of put a huge hiccup in our world. Um, Had a stroke lost his hearing, and we were living in Jackson at the time still. Yeah. And what do you do with a child that's in a wheelchair, relearning to do everything in life, and we're losing all these employees, and, and so Jason and I said, you know what, maybe we should go to a city for 18 months. We'll open a satellite.
0: Okay. We'll get
1: Jagger the help he needs, OT, PT, physical therapy, right. how to deal with a deaf child now. Right. And we'll open an office in Denver,
0: So So that our
1: employees can decide, instead of leaving us, they can go move to Denver, and they can have a house, and they can have a family.
0: I love that.
1: And then when we got to Denver, we started looking at offices, and nothing spoke to us. I was like, this is not going to work for us. Jackson's hard to follow. Well, yeah, and also just the type of office that we were living in. I mean, we were a bunch of young people in action sports, and we wanted... To skateboard through our office. We wanted (laughs) to be able to have a beer if we wanted. We wanted, you know, we were editors and we were just loud. Yeah. Big,
0: living life big and out loud. And and we just
1: didn't want a class A typical office space. And this is before co working. This is before all this environment of work and, you know, what your culture is. This was just (laughs) our culture. I mean, we did. You know, experiential design and marketing before anybody knew what it was. And you brought that with you and, yes.
0: and wanted to develop on that. It yeah. was your
1: springboard. Right. And yeah. so when we couldn't find a place that really anybody wanted us, we said, let's just do it ourselves. Yeah. And we had, I mean, we were one step up from ski bums at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. We, we, we had no money still. You know, we were loving our life. Ski bums s- with a child, two children, Chil- two children. Third one on the way. Oh my, oh my. And we just said, you know, let's just go find something and build it. Well, we didn't have money. We didn't have a trust fund. So we went and found the only thing that we could afford with our friends. We actually had another set of partners at this time. And we bought an abandoned building in Denver in the worst neighborhood. But for us, it was the way out to the mountains so we could ski before we went to work. And for no. us, it was the greatest thing ever. I love how you flipped the script there. Right. Like Everybody's like, why would you buy this? Yeah. There were oh. homeless people living in it. There were needles in it. I mean, it was a dilapidated old warehouse. Yeah. And I was like, but we'll make it work. I love that. And that's why we didn't have. So then when we bought the building, we yeah. didn't have the money. We didn't. We had to do it ourselves. Like we literally bootstrapped the whole thing. We had to do it as fast as we could to get it opened. Yeah. And the crazy thing was. It was a thirty thousand square foot building, we needed fifteen thousand square feet. <laughs> What'd you do with the other fifteen thousand? We invited all our friends in Action Sports to come and join our office space. <laughs> and then, So smart. Right. And then so we didn't smart. have the money to pay for so everybody was like, Well, who's gonna, you know, pick things? I was like, I don't know, I can do it. <laughs> so we're not gonna pay somebody to it. No. Do yeah. So the next thing I know, I'm buying kitchens. I'm dying floors blue. I'm buying some office furniture, <laughs> putting up some walls. And we opened full. And How long
0: from start to finish or start to open?
1: Under six months because we had to do it. The, had we had to start, to start paying money. our money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we were full. 30,000 square feet, completely full with a wait list we would never get to. And we were on to something. I was like, and people, and People just kept coming in and all of a sudden all these big real estate people are noticing what these kids are doing. Yeah, And the mayor's in and he's like, wow, this is a really influential group. And it just started to make this big deal. And we were throwing parties on our roof deck and we had dogs through the office and there was a keg on tap and we were just living who, we were just being who we were. Right. But, bringing your personal self yeah. to the office. Uh, but but everybody wanted to join us. And we had all these amazing companies like Icelandic Skis and Spider Sporting Goods and, and all this wow. stuff. Wow. It was just amazing. And we, but we were still doing television and events. <laughs> then one day this gentleman walked in. Um, we were doing a nonprofit fundraiser. And he's like, who designed this space? And I said, I did. And he was relentless. And I yeah. ended up designing a 20,000 square foot uh, tech space that won all these awards. It's really crazy. I love that. I love that. So from there, Jason was then getting into the real estate. He told me to go find the next building, and I found an eighty thousand square foot warehouse that was completely abandoned in the River North part of Denver, which was not anything at that time. You have to remember, (laughs) there was only homeless people. You
0: were ahead of the curves.
1: Yeah, and everything you didn't want. And we picked a building next to the worst homeless shelter in all of Denver. Oh my! The only one that allowed sex vendors. But I was like, this is the most beautiful building I've ever seen. And I was just able to see the vision and see the space before. The minute you walked in. The minute I walked in. I just knew. Like, I can see space. I don't know why. But I finally figured out what I was really good at. Yeah. Um, We did a friends and family raise. We actually bought 12 acres. And we decided that we were going to do this thing. We named it. It's called Industry. Yeah. And we were going to reignite neighborhoods. We were going to go where nobody was, find old warehouses, and bring them back to life bring the tech people there and the creatives that aren't afraid of all the, maybe the stuff going on outside that's not so pretty sometimes. Sure, sure. But we were gonna start with office and bring neighborhoods back to life. That was our goal, was to reignite things that had been forgotten about. Um, so what brought industry to Salt Lake? And what, what's your vision so, when you yeah. stand? So Denver, it was phenomenal. I mean, the growth in Denver's been phenomenal. but It has. too, mu- it got to be too much for us. Okay. We didn't see a path for us anymore, right? We didn't want to go in, and into areas where people were living and re- and change things there. Sure. And we really wanted to get back to the mountains. Yeah. And I we found them. that we wanted to find a place that our kids could really call home. And they, you spent a lot of time in the car in Denver, and we were just kind of tired of it. Yeah. And so Jason's like, "Well, where do you think you want to go?" And I was like, "I think Salt Lake." I had been here with a girlfriend. Um, and I had driven in and dropped in on 6th Avenue with her. Oh, and I looked over at her one day. a beautiful view right there. And I said, oh, my God, look at those buildings. Because now I had done a bunch of them. Now I was kind of known in the industry for adaptive reuse. It reviews. was your niche, yeah. It was my niche. And um, I dropped in and was like, that's it. Look <sighs> at that neighborhood. And it was the Granary District of Salt Lake City. Yes. And there wasn't anything going on. And <sighs> so now that we were, you know, we had a reputation, I went back. Came back, and I looked at buildings all over Salt Lake, and I was like, this is where we belong. We need uh, to move our kids here. Yeah. We need to move our business here. And, you know, that's that's kind
0: of... And when was that?
1: Three years ago. Three years ago. Not quite three years ago, but yeah, about three years ago. And now we're redesigning and redeveloping the Gateway of Salt Lake. There's, I'm, I'm so excited I'm about I'm actually, that. you know, kind of high at how much of it we're doing because <laughs> there's always too much Winkler, but I hope, you know, so now we're doing adaptive reuse of every old building that we can possibly save. And I then agree. once again, we're going back into a neighborhood where there wasn't a ton of people. There's amazing companies and people living in the granary, yeah. but sporadic. And now we hope to reignite and re-envision the whole neighborhood and bring it back to life so that when you do drop into Salt Lake, you have something to be really proud of.
0: Right. What are you giving us that you want us to be proud of?
1: I think that we're letting everybody know that Salt Lake is here. Yeah, it's an amazing, young, vibrant city, and I think what we're going to hopefully do is like we call the boulevards of Salt Lake City the Grand Boulevards, but they're not that grand yet. And it, and that's the yet. <laughs> that's what I hope. I hope that when I look back in ten years, the vision of people dro- you know riding on the train, and we have a walkable city, and we are proud when people drop in to get to our downtown yeah you know so that's what ignite you know and that's what excites me is building that donut around our downtown to to really raise the whole city up of salt lake that's so
0: exciting to me that um i live in a community that you're finding continuity and you're sort of finding the diamond in the rough and polishing it up for us and not changing it Right and I love and not that you're making working...
1: it what I did what we did in Denver or what I'm going to do doing in Detroit or but like Salt Lake is unique yeah and we need to let that unique shine through but we also need for the youth is to invigorate them make sure. them want to stay here and build an amazing city with us right Salt Lake is that hot spot right now right, right. and if we don't engage our youth, they'll move on to right. another and city move out. and move yes. out, but they're here and they're looking for more, Yeah. so we have to give them what they need, but what they're asking for, what with the Salt Lake twist on it, not what every other right. city has.
0: What, um, I think of your story and how many structural legacies you have left, what is something maybe that you can't touch and feel, a legacy that you would like to leave?
1: So I think a couple things is the give back is really big and I don't know if everybody knows but every one of our buildings that we do has a give back element to the community so Beautiful. industry gives back to volunteers of america and to the team homeless center
0: okay right?
1: so that's what we fundraise around um we also do a lot of mentoring so for me mentoring other young women has been a big passion of mine and sometimes it's been very formulaic And other times it's just been by somebody I have met in my life who you kind of pull under your wing and help guide her along until she's ready to take off. So those, I mean, and I don't know how many people know how much mentoring, you know, I do, but there's a lot of it both with what I'm doing now, you know, in our program, but also in life. I I think I have another four mentees in Denver that I have, and then I have a mentor.
0: Oh, gosh, we all we all need those. And we're so grateful that you're serving as one of our mentors and one of our huge visionaries for our city. It has been so wonderful to hear your story and um, and really appreciate the challenge to be courageous and fall backwards into what's on your path. So, Ellen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course.